This is World Beyond War, a new podcast. Welcome to episode 27 of the World Beyond War podcast. Today's episode is about a topic I've been following for years, the emergence of advanced military technology and software techniques, including artificial intelligence. When anti-war activists comprehend the impact of military artificial intelligence, it may remind some of us of the sudden emergence not many years ago of military drones in the USA's arsenal. Killer drones, which seemed at the time a futuristic and terrible idea, but suddenly it was a reality reported in each day's news. Death delivered from invisible, anonymous, silent flying objects in the sky, descending upon weddings and funerals where innocent people were gathered. A new level of faceless efficiency for mass murder. Many activists and organizations have done great work on calling attention to the horrors of military drone technology, such as Nick Motern of nodrones.org. Sadly, military drones are still with us, and there's a new horror in town, military applications of artificial intelligence, which includes a variety of terrible ideas, including robotic soldiers, facial recognition, and vast new databases of personal information collected without your permission. Like killer drones, AI is entering our military arsenal fast, and you better believe the profit motive has a lot to do with this. I want to talk about both the technological and the political sides of this terrible new trend. And that's why I thought of inviting today's special guest. This is Jan Weinberg, an anti-war activist who runs Show Up America and is involved with many different progressive organizations. Jan and I met in New York City protesting at the headquarters of BlackRock, a major war profiteer. And he's particularly knowledgeable about defense industry spending, political lobbying, and corporate influence on US government. Hi, Jan. It's great to have you here. Mark, it's an absolute pleasure. Good morning. Good morning. Jan, I think you and I really cover different halves of this story. I am a software developer. I'm familiar with artificial intelligence, and I follow the activities of tech giants like Amazon, Microsoft, and Google pretty closely. You, on the other hand, are familiar with the inside of corporate boardrooms and with the business activities of companies like Northrop Grumman and Boeing and BlackRock. I'm not sure how much time you spend researching Microsoft and Amazon and Google and Oracle, but I think it's clear that all peace activists will need to become more aware of what these companies do, and I bet you can get us off to a good start. Artificial intelligence is a software technique that's been around a long time. I studied it in college, which was a long time ago, and even back then we were doing cool things with it. When I was in college, we were doing um, natural language processing. So one example of where you see AI in your regular life today is if you ever use a chatbot. If you go to some website where they say, can we help you? And you type something in and it's actually probably an AI chatbot that's reading your response and deciding whether or not you have a real question where they will then send you to a person. So that's an artificial intelligence application of natural language processing. AI uses techniques like neural networks in which millions of software nodes each tackle small decisions in a naturally forming cascade, which is more or less how brain scientists describe the workings of the human brain. So an important point, artificial intelligence is not about software engineers coding intelligence. We, the, the coder, the programmer doesn't actually create algorithms which are intelligent. Rather, it's about software engineers building self-training systems where the systems measure their results and continue to train themselves until they begin to approximate a level of capability that can be called intelligence. So, you know, just as the neural network is a simulation of a brain, this training procedure is like a simulation of human education. These are sophisticated techniques And they really do work very well for certain types of operation, such as physical motion, you know, robots dancing, robots throwing basketballs, picture recognition, language interpretation. So that's what artificial intelligence is. Now, what is military artificial intelligence? When I'm asked this question, I talk about the Netflix show Black Mirror, which had a really frightening, famous episode in which a pack of mechanical robot dogs attack 
a few human beings who are left fighting for freedom on earth. It's a very scary episode that many people remember. That is an example of military AI, indestructible combat robots. And there's plenty more. Anybody who uses Facebook knows what facial recognition is. Let's say you post to Facebook a photo with some friends. Facebook will probably recognize who those friends are from your list of friends and will tag those names just based on facial recognition. So this is AI. This is facial recognition. When we talk about military use, and we could also talk about police use, which is a similar topic, imagine facial recognition in the hands of racist police. And what do we do about the fact that facial recognition uses training by humans, which means that the bias of the humans is, is actually um, captured in the artificial intelligence application that is trained by these humans. Finally, you know, we, often Project Jedi especially is described as an AI cloud. So military AI is often described as a military cloud which indicates we're, we're basically talking about just vast cloud databases of information, geographic information, personal information. So, you know, your information and mine. So I, I hope that gives just, you know, a sort of picture of what military AI is. Are there any things you think I've left out of that? It scratches the surface uh, uh, about what the government programs uh, and what's being developed. Uh, and it was very accurate introduction to it, Mark. You're, you're right that it scratches the surface. I, I didn't even mention systems to um, decide whether or not to fire off nuclear rockets based on AI. Yes, <laughs> so. and, and if, if, it, if it becomes semi-autonomous or uh, eventually autonomous weapon systems. Jan, can you just tell us what Show Up America is and fill us in on the work you do exposing corporate and dark money influence on politics? I will attempt to do that briefly because I can speak about that question for several hours straight, Mark. <laughs> uh, I founded Show Up America back in 2011 as part of an adjunct to Occupy Wall Street, where I was encouraging people to go to municipal council meetings and mayor committee meetings uh, to witness those people who hold our checkbooks and what they do with our money as a place to practice. Oh, Show Up America is now a non-for-profit organization that teaches civic engagement. So I work with individuals and organizations to practice engagement with government without having to be elected to government. That is what I do briefly. Uh, what I do personally through Show Up America is engage with peace movement organizations. Uh, basically, to turn back the tides of war whether it's related to NATO expansion or US-China engagement. Uh, I have been with China's Not Our Enemy campaign for a long time. Code Pink's divest from the War Machine Coalition as an adjunct with Code Pink and World Beyond War. Uh, and my engagement with members of Congress, staff members, has been going on for about five years. Uh, bringing them my recommendations from an activist as an act uh, as an advocate for legislation that's needed to turn back the tides of war. Uh, I am not a member of a think tank. I'm not a lobbyist. I am purely a peace activist, uh, following across the board issues, whether it's environmental degradation, uh, civil rights abuses, um, hunger, homelessness and anti-war. I find that all the issues are interconnected. Uh, so uh, on a daily basis, I like to expose the money that senators take in from armament industry corporations and the kind of decisions that they make. I study very carefully what the Senate Armed Services Committee does and watch the hearings. Um, tangentially, I'm aware of the Silicon Valley corporations and their involvement with the war machine, uh, in particular, following the revolving door from government into Silicon Valley, back into uh, government positions. So it's it's very similar type of thing, and the crossover is glaring, Mark. It sure is. I mean, we we know about the revolving door with the major war profiteers, McDonnell Douglas, Boeing, Northrop Grumman, and I think you're pointing to the fact that. 
um, Silicon Valley is is now playing the same game. Um, it has been for a long time. Yes. There's been some instances with the CIA being involved with uh, the cloud computing programs and and uh, the money that went into General Dynamics way back as well, and all of that grew. Yes, over it's time. all growing, and it's none of it is shrinking. All of it is growing. By the way, you use the phrase Silicon Valley. I tend to say tech giants, but I think what we're talking about is Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, Oracle. Let's not forget Oracle, which um, often has a big impact but flies under the radar. Yeah, um, it, but if I may, Mark, I'm building on that. It's important to note that each of the large armament industry corporations um, back during the Obama years diversified into cybersecurity divisions, which at the turn of a switch can be weaponized. Yes. But each of the um, armament corporations you named have a cyber division and they are part of, of the technology um, regions, whether it's Silicon Valley or here in New Jersey uh, or in, in other regions. Uh, they are an integral part of it. Well, um, to make this also more interesting, I, I have plenty of personal experience with these companies. I've been offered jobs by a few of the names we've mentioned. I've, in the past 10 years, and you know, this is sort of tangential, but um, I have worked for the US federal government during the Obama administration, including work for the CIA. I was setting up an education system. The, the, the amazing thing is that despite my active, um, you know, very visible peace um, profile on social media, I, I was allowed to work on this. You know, I, I sort of went in with the spirit of I'll either try to do good or be an Edward Snowden. <laughs> you know, and, and neither of them worked out, actually. But um, oh, anyway, Mark, Mark. I have plenty of experience with these companies that you're talking about. Well, even though you did that, I love you anyway, Mark. Well, um, yeah, no, I know. Believe me, it's a it's a crisis. It's it's a personal crisis of um, of figuring out what what it is we are to do with our lives, and it's been an evolution for me. I am now the technology director of World Beyond War, and not the first person in World Beyond War who who has who has done work with the military in the past and is now fully an anti-war. Well, Mark, the story you just told is a microcosm of our larger society because um, Amazon and Microsoft have been integral with the Department of Defense uh, technology development through different programs. Yeah. And we, in our society, we all in interact yes. with these companies in one way or another. So we are all players to some degree with the military industrial congressional complex. Absolutely. Well, you know, this is this is actually a good entry point into the news, the news item that caused me to decide that July 2021 was the time to finally do a podcast about artificial intelligence. Um, because I've, I've had this in my back pocket um, for a while. Actually, I can't believe it took up till episode 27. Um, there's there have been a couple of major news items. And I wanted First, describe both of them, and then I think it'll be clear why you, Jan, are the person I think we, we need to talk to, because so much of what's going on with military artificial intelligence is about generating profits. Um, I, I believe it is not only a center of, of evil, but it's also a center of greed right now and corruption. Um, so let, let's start with Project Jedi. Most people do not know what Project Jedi is. Um, Obvious, this, this is a name that we started to hear in the first year of the Trump administration. At least that's when I became aware of it. It stands for Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure, but let's not be naive. Obviously the Pentagon is very good at marketing and they wanted to call it Project Jedi so that they can get all the people who watch Star Wars to think that they're you know, being Luke Skywalker and Han Solo when, when they fight the empire. Never mind the fact that um, I think actually it's the other side, but um, you know the the Star Wars connotation was definitely intentional. Project Jedi is the U.S. government's big military AI program, and it it became visible during the early years of the Trump administration. 
there's a lot of political, um, a lot of political, let's let's say influence that would typically not be part of a decision-making process, which involves the fact that um, the the three major companies, the three major software organizations that are huge in AI are Microsoft, Google, and Amazon. So I want to just talk quickly about what each of the three of them did. Um, Google very admirably, I believe, and and feel free to feel free to look behind the 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 visible you know layer here, Jan, and tell me if I'm missing something. But when Project Jedi was announced, Google's employees objected and created a, a pretty loud campaign to make Google pledge to not do military advanced software. And Google agreed. Google since then has taken themselves out of the running for these massive contracts. Microsoft was considered the um, least likely of these three, Microsoft, Amazon, and Google, to get the contract. Amazon was widely considered the leader after Google left. I mean, basically, the, the field was that Amazon and Google were, were considered the two top contenders for AI, um, for, for commercial AI cloud solutions, which the military could use. Because Amazon was considered anti-Trump with Jeff Bezos um, owning the, the Washington Post, it seemed, and th this is all behind the scenes, so what I'm saying here is just conjecture, it seems that there was an attempt to freeze Amazon out and give the entire contract to Microsoft. So we're talking about a $10 billion contract, which is a very, very large amount of money in the software industry. Well, if I may interject, that's one billion a year over ten years. Um, software companies don't tend to deal with billions, and the reason, you know, when we talk about numbers like millions and billions and trillions, um, sometimes ten billion or even one billion doesn't seem like that much. How, how many billions go into an airplane? But as somebody who's been doing nothing but software for the past few decades, I could tell you that. Um, an average software contract is, is in the millions, not billions. A billion dollar contract with Microsoft, I believe is one of the largest software contracts in history. It's absolutely a game changer amount of money and it will change the culture of Microsoft. It will change the culture of software development. You know, it just, it ups the stakes for, for how much money is in the field. Um, Project Jedi has been visible for the past several years. It was awarded entirely to Microsoft in the number of 10 billion, 1 billion a year for 10 years, which, you know, again, is an amazing, a, a very large amount of money for a software company. And, and this was considered a very big win for Microsoft. Immediately, both Amazon and Oracle sued. Now, Oracle is a company that doesn't have as much of a public face, but they are also um, a software company that does mostly business to business. Mm -hmm. Very large. Um, I've been working with Oracle for a, for a long time. And so both Amazon and Oracle sued the federal government saying that um, the decision to reward the entire Project Jedi contract to Microsoft was, you know, was perhaps biased or was influenced by improper motives. This lawsuit then carried on for several years and just a couple of, just this month in July, 2021, suddenly it was announced that um, number one, Project Jedi is no longer called Project Jedi. When I saw that headline, I thought it was good news. Oh great, Project Jedi is going away. No such luck. Actually what's happening is Project Jedi is being doubled and they are continuing the $10 billion to Microsoft but now adding another $10 billion contract to Amazon. So actually this month, Project Jedi both changed it, you know, lost its name, which indicates to me that they're rebranding it and you know, basically probably rethinking its place in, in, military, in the military infrastructure and that it is doubling the allocation from 10 billion to 20 billion and that now um, whereas recently I've been saying Microsoft is by far the worst war profiteer in the software industry because this $10 billion contract is so large. 
Now we could say that Microsoft and Amazon together are the two worst war profiteers in the software industry. So that's what happened this month with Project Jedi. Now, um, maybe I could ask you, Jan, to, to tell the related story of what happened in the Senate Armed Services Committee this month. Before we get into that, Mark, a little yeah. bit of background for us to discuss. Sure. Uh, what is the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure or whatever it's called in uh, the history of it? Because it is cross domain uh, from the Navy, the Marines, the Air Force, uh, Space Command, Cyber Command, um, and development of artificial intelligence so that the uh, soldiers or the decision makers are able to get quicker data that's shared across all the domains in preparation for war. Mm -hmm. uh, and am I missing any of the, the components of that, Mark? No, I think that's right. I would say that Project Jedi is the artificial intelligence project for every branch of the military. They're not having each branch develop its own AI solutions, but rather coming up with a comprehensive solution that works across all the branches. And um, this, I mean, to me, Project Jedi is the military AI program. Uh, so what you indicated before, there is a lot of subject matter, but just, just briefly, uh, recently, the Senate Armed Services Committee last week authorized mm -hmm. another $25 billion in addition into the defense budget. Uh, that hasn't been ratified by the entire Senate as of yet. But what I went to do is, is trace um, Microsoft donations to members of the Senate Armed Services Committee and mm -hmm. to see how those things increased recently, and, which is very interesting because it's almost an award program. They make a decision that benefits a particular corporation, then the employees of those corporations give more money uh, for campaign donations. Um, we have Senator Jack Reed as the uh, head of the Senate Armed Services Committee because it's the Democrats who are in control of the Senate. Uh, and so he switched off with Senator Jim Inhofe. Both are war hawks, they're both peas in the same pot, but that's something re recent. But a bit of history, Mark, related to why Amazon was considered the front runner for the Jedi uh, project. In 2013, this is during the Obama years, the CIA developed what was one of the first comprehensive uh, programs called the Commercial Cloud Enterprise or called C2S. Our military likes to have the an acronyms. Yeah. I don't know how they can keep track of it, but they actually do have a published guide for this. It was a $600 million deal that lasted for five years with Amazon's web services. So Amazon was already integrated into the military programs. The CIA is part of military. It's part of military intelligence, and it's also coercive. We know the history of those type of things. The JEDI program, or what you call the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure, which morphed in terms of the technology, is under certain structures within our government. The Defense Information Systems Agency is the overbranching group that controls this. The Cloud Computing Program Office is under that jurisdiction. Under their jurisdiction is the Joint Warfighting Cloud Computing Program. Mm -hmm. One of their programs was JEDI. And that changed in terms of the concept to joint all domain command and control or what they call JADC2, JADC2. And that's where it changed in terms of the government looking at an even more comprehensive program that involved artificial intelligence, cloud computing across domains, including uh, cyberspace and space command it's when Space Command and Cyber Command came into effect that the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, including the Senate Armed Services Committee, in closed door meetings, decided they need to ramp all of this up. Right. And as our listeners know now, this was not covered in the media. This was not covered by activists. This was basically, uh, we're left blindsided. This right. involves all of the large 
or armament industry corporations that we know. For example, Raytheon Intelligence and Space, which is one of the divisions of Raytheon, is involved with the joint all domain command and control. This is not just what I call the Silicon Valley or you call the technology. The arms industry is integrated with the uh, Amazons, the Microsofts, the, the Googles, uh, the Apples. They are all integrated now. Some may wonder why is Amazon, which we think of as a store, you know, it started as a bookstore and then became an everything store. Why is Amazon playing such a big role in a military project? Um, long ago, Amazon introduced Amazon Web Services, which is a gigantic part of their business, which consumers don't know about at all. Web developers like me, it changed our lives. Amazon Web Services is um, basically, the, it's the infrastructure for the web in, in it's a corporate infrastructure for the web for, for many customers. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm sure it's the largest web network. It's, it's actually a network of web services contracted out to anyone who wants to buy it. So I use AWS. You know, there's a commercial for AWS where they talk about all the different businesses who use AWS. Basically, they rent out computing space. AWS is is how businesses rent out computer space. Amazon made a very smart move. They were smarter than Microsoft. They were smarter, smarter than Google. They realized that this is a huge business sector. Google and Microsoft then tried to catch up to Amazon Web Services. But this is why Amazon is so big, because they were the ones who innovated computing services on a rental model, on a time model. That, that is what AWS is. So the fact is, it is true that the US government runs on AWS, everything runs on AWS. What I wanna make sure we're specifically focusing on here is the vast amount of money involved. And this is why, you know, I, I just, I wanna point to two things here that make this, the situation of military AI different. One is that software companies like Microsoft, Oracle, Google, and Amazon, as you say, have been providing services to the military, but for them to enter the circle of the revolving door, for them to become part of the congressional industrial military complex, for them to jump in with both feet changes the nature of the software industry changes the nature of companies like Microsoft and Amazon and will change society. And I'm not talking about a good level of change. Does that make sense? In other words, we all, we know the, pre the presence that these companies have in our lives. It's well, only now that they are entering the circle of military profiteering with both feet and, you know, entering all the way. And this is a new development that I think we, we need to acknowledge and be concerned about. Well, you mentioned the word concern. Uh, for people like you and me and our colleagues, which we don't have to name at the moment, peace activists, anti-war community, the same corporations that are involved with um, technology, the cloud computing for interdomain military programs are also involved in surveillance programs, which puts all of us at risk. That's why I alluded to IRS and Lockheed Martin, but each of them are involved with surveillance programs. If our rights based in the constitution are further curtailed, mm -hmm. they will monitor everything that we're doing if they consider us to be subversive. We're merely telling the truth and we want peace and love in the world was what we're professing. And that becomes more and more risky as time goes by because it's a flip of a switch for any of their programs to monitor everything that we're doing. Yes, this problem, military software and military artificial intelligence is unique because we all have such an intimate and trusting relationship with the technology in our lives our trust is about to be abused. Mark, there's a saying that I have that you reminded me of. We were always examining uh, money in politics, mm -hmm. but a saying that I came up with is prestige in politics is as pervasive and powerful as its evil twin money. 
And there's a tremendous amount of prestige when corporations or think tanks uh, can influence government policy, whether it's domestic or foreign policy. Mm-hmm. But foreign policy in particular, if they can influence that, they gain a certain level of prestige. And that prestige to them is as valuable. It's similar to um, the Amazon Post, w- which is very prestigious, but it also controls the information. You uh, mean the Washington Post? Is that- yeah, well, that's what I meant. Yes, yes. <laughs> I got it. It, it. it is prestigious um, that you can mark down that Microsoft back in 2013, uh, the CEO made a presentation to the Senate Armed Services Committee about the need to, to further develop the Jedi program. Right. And lo and behold, after that, money flows into the coffers to these particular senators that are making those decisions. And they can sit back and say to their shareholders in a, in a wink in their uh, annual prospectus, we influence government. And they actually brag about it. The uh, Business Roundtable, for example, which is the, I, I consider the most powerful, the largest lobbying organization on this planet. And they are so adept at what they do that most people have not even heard of them. It's just the sure who, who, what is Business Roundtable. And, and if you do a, a quick Google search for business roundtable members, you're going to see it's the CEOs sitting together from armament industry, big media, big pharma, um, the agricultural industry, and media. They are all together working to support one another. What effect? What would you say? This is the channel through which the revolving door happens. I mean, we should. Can you explain what the, what the revolving door is and what the business, you know, what uh, affects the, the business? The typical it? model is that it's from government into the corporate world back into government, but it's not as simple as that because, um, and the, the business roundtable and the United States Chamber of Commerce are integral to this. One, when it's not quite quid pro quo because it, it happens over time. So you don't see the direct um, corruption. But people who are in Congress, whether it's a staff member or the congressional member, uh, when they step down from that position, they're given board positions and maybe in a different industry that they did the favor for where they're making a fortune of money to have to do very little. But the revolving door actually involves more than this because there's other chambers in there. People will go from government into prestigious professor positions and foreign affairs divisions of universities, they will go into think tanks, they will go into corporate boards or they'll be, become lobbyists or they'll be attorneys and uh, advisory organizations and back into government. The Biden administration now is filled with people who went from uh, the Obama administration into either the corporate world or think tanks that were selling the goods from corporations and back into the government. Yeah. Uh, that is absolute corruption. It's absolutely unethical, but we're not calling the individuals out on this. This is a problem that is killing us because the profit motive speaks more loudly than anything else. The profit motive speaks more loudly, even I think than electoral politics or then then common sense and well, mark what i'm trying to add to this yeah it's not just profit motive there's a prestige motive right. the right. the thing tanks that fed the admit current administration or any administration are busting with pride right that their people are now finally in this level and and so when they came from government into the think tanks uh, and their simultaneous positions that are held in a, in a, lot, of, uh, a lot of the times that right. are not discussed. And that's for another program where it's simultaneous positions and it's not a revolving door, it's a merry-go-round. Their, their announcements, like when Eli Ratner w- was selected as a deputy secretary of defense two days ago uh, f- from CNAS, their announcement was, oh my goodness, it's so wonderful that one of ours is now in the Department of Defense. And there's no shame in that. 
I'd like to go back to what we were talking about, why I think um, what the Senate Armed Services Committee did is related to, to military AI. The news story that you and I and a lot of people we know were surprised about and disgusted about was that the Senate Armed Services Committee allocated $25 billion more than was expected and that then was requested in the, the military budget. Am, am I getting that basic fact right? $25 billion more than what was requested and that this was a surprise. Those who watch this and you know, journalists and observers were like, what, what's going on? Why would the Senate Armed Services allocate more money than was expected? So two, new, two separate news items occurred this month. One is that Project Jedi will cost $10 billion more than was previously announced and is also for some reason not calling itself Project Jedi anymore. And the other is this added 25 billion. So is this 25 billion inspired by the need to, to invest in military AI? That's what I'm asking. Uh, it, this is frustrating to me, Mark. Uh, you can watch um, through C-SPAN, um, a, a Senate Armed Services Committee meeting. And they say, we're now going to have a closed door meeting <laughs> with our guest witnesses who are from the corporations or the think tanks because it's national security related. So to answer your question, did they discuss these things behind closed doors? It had to be. That's what I'm thinking too, yes. Be, so, be, okay, so let me ask you, Jan, if I may, where is investigative journalism here? I was looking around, who do I know who watches what the Senate Armed Services Committee does and talks about it in activist circles. The only person I could think of was you, Jan, and you're not a professional journalist, are you? Uh, no, and, <laughs> and I, I am purposely not anything professional. I just want to be a peace activist. So I, where are I, the journalists? I want to be on the street. I want to organize uh, speaking engagements, uh, education forums. And appear uh, on podcasts. So, um, yes. But where, why wasn't this a bigger news story? It wouldn't be a surprise if someone went and did a Google search, Open Secrets, Microsoft, for example. Okay. Because uh, Open Secrets. Uh, what is Open Secrets? Um, it's a website that portrays the revolving door. Okay, good. Between industry, they trace the campaign contributions to everyone in Congress. It, it is a, okay. Okay. absolutely incredible uh, resource. Oh, and the Twitter feed is at Open Secrets DC. I want to say again, $10 billion is a number you do not hear in the software industry. There, uh, were, there are no $10 billion contracts until Project Jedi. It's a massive, gigantic, Death Star-sized contract. And the, the, if there are investigative journalists trying to figure out what's going on behind closed doors. I want to read what they're writing, but I can't find any. So I'd, I'd like to address this okay. uh, and to see what kind of changes can come. Um, Center for International Policy. Okay. It actually has a program that's headed up by Ben Friedman uh, for transparency in testimony. So if, what their program is, if there's somebody who is representing a foreign government, and the witness is um, giving testimony to a congressional committee. It's disclosed where the money is coming from and who, who they are. Right. And, in, and in my meetings with Ben, I told them that what I would like when anyone testifies to Congress that's from a think tank, and, and it's for the Senate Armed Services Committee, that there's a list of the donors to that think tank that's coming from armament corporations, that it's posted in the websites, it's, it's permanent, it's disclosed about the conflict of interest. So what is interesting, Mark, yeah. is these things are covered in the news. It's covered, it's covered in the business news, but what they're leaving out is the undue influences. They're not, they're not saying, now here's the link to open secrets yeah. to see this member of Congress and the kind of funding that they got. Well, what, but what they are talking about is um, buy, hold, and sell. Is defense aerospace a good buy, hold, and sell? So exactly. these things are covered 
in, in, are, okay, I, I have to double down on what you're saying now. So okay. in my in my research for this podcast and in general, I I did find many insider trade publications for the defense industry. And there are many of them because the defense industry is gigantic. So there are magazines, there are websites, there are podcasts. You are absolutely right, Jan. They talk about Project Jedi. One thing I did is I listened to a podcast um, about defense spending. And um, this is people who are part of the circle. And I vividly remember the phrase um, this was a couple of years ago um, about Project Jedi. A lot of a lot of people are going to buy new swimming pools this year. That that was how they talk about Project Jedi. This was a podcast of defense spending professionals talking about the swimming pools they're going to buy because of Project Jedi. There is a fantastic resource. Uh, I'm going to give you the Twitter feed for okay. Stephen Semler. S T E P H E N. Oh, I think I've got him. I've got him. Yeah, I've got uh, him on my Twitter, but tell us. What his, he his regular messaging related to this subject matter is absolutely tremendous. Um, okay. and, and he heads up the Security Policy Reform Institute, which is a burgeoning, really good guy think tank. Uh, okay. The information is absolutely tremendous. Uh, security underscore reform is a really fantastic resource. So, so Jan, you're you are you're giving me good information that there are others like you and and some who are actually probably professional journalists who who are tracking this. But what I want to know is um, when I say where are the investigative journalists, I'm also I'm talking about reaching reaching the people on this because I don't think um, I don't think people want the horrors of military AI any more than they want killer drones and the people are being left out of these conversations. So it's good to know that there is research being done. I, I, I guess the other half of this is, is there, are there voices about this that are, that are reaching large numbers of people? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking for one of the, the Congressman Ro Khanna, for instance, I think, you know, is, is somebody who occasionally speaks out against against bloated defense spending. Are, are there other voices like this who are reaching people on this topic? Well, th there's several aspects of, of who can reach the general public. Uh, pr prominent uh, politicians can. Uh, I find that they're all compromised in just how far they will go. Uh, somebody argued with me on Twitter yesterday um, when I said that they're, they're not doing as much as they can. One of the things would be if a prominent politician pointed to the campaign contributions from their colleagues, that, that would stir up a lot, but they do not go that far. Uh, and, but there's also risks to mainstream or corporate media in addressing these issues. There's a lot of advertising that comes in from the arms mm. industry. Uh, to give an example, Three of the publications in Washington, D.C. that are delivered to every congressional office every day of the year, The Hill, Politico, and Roll Call. And the full page ads in there are basically for the staff members of the senators in the House of Representatives. But I have a collection of full page ads from armament industry corporations, full page ads from Boeing and from Lockheed Martin. And I look at that and I say, who are these ads for? And I've had arguments actually on the phone with the publisher of The Hill saying it, it curtails your reporting. You'll only go so far because you're depending on advertising revenue from corporations. Uh, and I, I've been pressing members of Congress to at least propose a bill to ban that type of advertising because it's bad for our health. Of course, it's a First Amendment issue and we won't ever get that far. But there's also a risk, Mark, from any of us who take this on. Back in 2016, there was a five-year contract put in place with Lockheed Martin to streamline internal revenue tax processing. That puts us at risk. Lockheed Martin is involved with our tax returns. I don't know if the contract will be renewed next year. Right. But I speak out about Lockheed Martin a lot, and I'm waiting for a knock on the door that we're going to be auditing you. Sure. Now, what is that about? 
the number one uh, armament ministry or corporation branched out to tax data preparation for our government. Yep. Right. So uh, you should expect your doorbell to ring soon, Mark. <laughs> it's, it, it is a really um, disturbing situation. I mean, I, th I think what we're, you and I are both seeing and what we're trying to transmit a sense of alarm about is corporations are only becoming more and more deeply entrenched in government corruption. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like um, dark money in politics, however we define that term, certainly become normalized since, you know, I, I, it's always been there, but it seems the, the influence, the amount of influence and the blatant, the blatant, the blatancy of the influence it, it seems to be increasing. And I, I think the people, you and me and everyone we know feel helpless. So, you know, I wanna get back to like, when we were talking about drones, we, we know the American people had a lot of problem with the fact that suddenly the United States was introducing a new form of warfare, which involved basically sneaking up upon a wedding or a funeral where targets of intelligence could be found and killing whoever happened to be there. A shocking use of military technology the people protested and we had no voice. We were not heard. There is no avenue for us to be heard. There, there is no, you know, I mean, I mentioned my, our friend Nick Motern's organization, nodrones.org. There's a, you know, a small organization working on behalf of this. The weight of the military industrial complex and of the tech giants and of the large military profiteers compared to the weight of the people is so asymmetrical that it's, I, it's all I can do to not yell on this podcast right now. You know, well, that's let, kind of where let, I'm coming from here. Let, let's take it down a notch and make it even more miserable. Okay. <laughs> uh, drone warfare has expanded into the ocean where it's not even seen. But the next step, if artificial intelligence goes even further and there's autonomous drones that are sent out, whether it's domestic or foreign in warfare, that is the very scary and very real scenario that scientists and people in education are very, very worried about. I, I'd like to describe something to you, and I know we're finishing up soon, but this is building on something that you had to say. Uh, about the government and corporate relations, especially armament industry corporations, which I, I include uh, the technology organizations. I, I include them in that. It almost seems to me that the government is the public relations department for corporations and doesn't serve very much other function any longer related to foreign affairs. Mm -hmm. And the public relations way that they sold the revamping of what was the Jedi program into the JADC2 or Joint All Domain Command and Control, which is what they're calling it, was to sell it that China is our adversary and we need to develop all of these things and have it forward deployed into Indo-Asia Pacific in order to protect our national interests here. That's how they sold the program, through fear mongering. Well, we, you know, as we, we have, in person, Jan, when you and I have been together at, at events, you know, it's just sort of this feeling of um, what what can we do? What here we are, we we realize how bad it is. What what can we do? What can activists do? Civic engagement, which means follow the money that your representative is taking. At your House of Representatives and the two senators in your state. Open Secrets follows that very, very well. Okay. We could all write to the chief of staff of any member of Congress or their foreign affairs advisor or their legislative directors. Their email addresses are readily available. We, we can't directly reach the, the people in power. Um, we can write 
to the publishers of, of each of these media organizations. I do it regularly. Sometimes I get a response. Uh, sometimes the Washington Post would assign a journalist to cover one of our peace actions in DC. Not all the time, they couldn't do everything. Um, but that's some things that we're able to do. Yeah, okay. Uh, if somebody wants to reach me to learn the techniques about how to reach uh, congressional staff members, my email address is jan at showupamerica.org. My Twitter feed is at showupamerica. And I gladly guide people in, into that. That's something we can do. But Mark, we never know when through civic engagement and activist work, when there's gonna be a breakthrough. If we look through our nation's history, when there were breakthroughs and changes, right. we're never able to really predict that in advance that it was going to work. We can look at our heroes who were able to break through. Right. We keep on trying and we're doing our best and making the connections like our discussion today. Um, the listener today would not know that I have a sense of humor <laughs> and that I'm a joyous person based on this next comment of mine related to what you just had to say. I, I recall when my early PCs would crash and I had to reboot it and wait five minutes for it to start up. And, and I cursed at Bill Gates every time it happened. I don't know what makes anybody think that human beings are going to develop systems that control weapon systems that are absolutely lethal, that they're not going to be able to be hacked or something's going to go wrong with it because of a solar flare or a junior high school student somewhere in the around the world who figured it out what was not able to ever be hacked. Because they always say this to us. It is extremely dangerous for our societies around the world to continue down this path. Absolutely. And like I said, no one would understand that I had a sense of humor based on that comment. You have a sense of humor because you can see past that. You know, you know that we need to do something better so we can enjoy our lives. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mark, this was an absolute pleasure for me to, to engage with you today. Definitely. Thanks for joining me. I think, you know, we did put our heads together. We come from sort of different backgrounds and we're looking at the same horror. It's, it's a privilege to be able to compare notes with you and compare our different viewpoints. Thank you. My pleasure. Talk to you later, John. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Our podcast is now available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Don't forget to give us a rating. Visit worldbeyondwar.org to learn more about the social and environmental impacts of the war machine and get involved in the movement for a world beyond war.